0: Professional with Believe in Tennessee Golf, here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast for professionals. Do you believe? Our show is a breakdown of all things golf in the volunteer state. We will cover men's and women's golf tournaments, professional and amateur events, and dive into junior golf as well. We will talk to the players, the instructors, and the organizers. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, and TuneIn. You can find us on Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at pbrandon 21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro. So, PJ Tour, full effect. Two events this past week. We had the World Golf Championships in Mexico. Uh, Patrick Reed was able to hold off a lot of challengers of DeChambeau, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Hadeki, Justin Thomas, to pull that one out. So, America's bad boy, Patrick Reed, Captain America, getting it done. They were also in Puerto Rico this week. At the Puerto Rican Open, or the Puerto Rico Open, um, Victor Hovland gets his first win. Congrats to him. But we had Wes Roach, Tennessee boy, coming in 13-under. Tied for ninth, seven shots back. Great playing over the week, 67-70, 69-69. So, great job there. Jumping back in to the World Golf, Snedeker was contending at 500, tied for 22nd. Shooting 700 in his final round, so Snedeker, a little tough start with a 76, but then shooting 69-70-64 to get it done. Way to climb up that leaderboard, Brant. So now we get into tournament season. We're seeing more announcements from the Tennessee PGA and from the TGA and the Golf Foundation. We're seeing a lot of that information starting to come out. Uh, tournaments are kicking around around the corner here in March. Uh, Pro-Am Series kicking around a couple of weeks as well. This past week was the Tennessee PGA section meeting. This is where all the pros in the state get together, go through educational classes, listen to seminars, uh, go through the electoral process of creating the president, vice president, secretary positions, um, also just education uh, in general. Uh, we had a couple elections this week. Uh, Joey Hickman from In His Grip Golf is the new secretary for the section PGA Congrats to that on Joey. A um, couple of other announcements: Chris Dibble from Holston Hills in Knoxville was announced Tennessee Golf Professional of the Year. So this is a uh, distinguished award voted on by his uh, peers. Uh, Chris is a great guy, I've known him for years. But yeah, he won the Chattanooga Player of the Year, or not Player of the Year, but uh, Professional of the Year um, against the five other chapters, Memphis. Knoxville, Nashville, Chattanooga, and Tri-Cities. And then the board gets together and votes on those and makes a decision. So congrats to you on that, Chris. Um, Casey Flanagan, which we've talked about before, but Casey wins uh, Player of the Year for both the assistants and the regular Player of the Year. So Casey getting it done, playing good on both sides. Jared Melson, who was on my show earlier, earlier the year, was recognized as the Player of the Year for the senior section as well. So, in addition to those awards, uh, distinguished award recipient Nancy Corsellino was honored at the meeting this week. Um, Nancy, longtime friend of mine, and has uh, is, is worked with me and spent time with my daughter over the years, just being Nancy and, and teaching and giving back to the game. But she becomes the uh, 41st member to be recognized for this prestigious honor for Tennessee. Um, for the Distinguished Career. Uh, so Nancy took out the game at an early age. She played her way uh, through college, playing at Western Kentucky. Became an LPGA member. She was head professional. The host course, Hermitage, held the LPGA Sarah Lee Classic. Uh, from there, she started doing her own teaching, creating her Career, uh, winning the Richard Eller Growth of the Game Award, numerous times National Teacher of the Year, uh, top 100 instructor, Middle Tennessee four-time winner of uh, the Middle Tennessee Chapter Junior Golf Leader Award as well. So again, congrats to that uh, to you on that, Nancy. Uh, looking forward to seeing you out there soon, and congratulations again. Going back to the junior side, drive, chip, and putt dates have been announced. You can go to their website. <clears throat> drive, chip, and putt golf. Um, but coming up June 5th at uh, UT Chattanooga Player Development S- Facility. They will have one at Stonehenge on Wednesday, June 10th. Champions Run here in Middle Tennessee, Thursday, June 18th. UT Knoxville um, will be Friday, June 19th. The links at Whitehaven, Saturday, June 20th. Fairways and Green's Golf Center. Friday, July 10th, Smyrna Golf Course, Wednesday, July 15th, and Blackthorn Golf Club, Monday, July 20th. Top players in those will advance to either Cleveland Country Club or The Grove. So good luck, competitors. Get out there, get registered, and hope to see you out there. Again, uh, Drop Gym Putt, it's a fun-free nationwide group development for boys and girls ages 7 to 15 to participate in local qualifying opportunities in all 50 states throughout the months of May, June, July, and August. Interest will play in girls and boys divisions four age categories with scoring centered around the three golf fundamentals of driving, chipping, and putting. Top performers at the local level advance through the sub-regional and regional qualifiers in July and August, September, October respectively, and several of the nation's most acclaimed venues and championship sites. From there, the qualifiers, 80 finalists, 40, bro, 40 boys, 40 girls, will earn an invitation to compete in the national finals at Augusta Golf Club on Sunday, April 4th, the eve of the Masters. Players have already been selected that are going to be competing this year, so all qualifiers now are competing for the 2021 championship. So get out there, get your kids working on their game, And good luck with that, everybody. So with an amazing outcry from Twitter and Instagram over the highlights of the golf show, lots of questions were asked about the Finn Golf Scooters by Sun Mountain and the instructors that were teaching and talking about motion, uh, memory, and how to work on your swing in the off-season when you can't get out and play. And so Sergio has a question so if i'm just getting into the game how do i go about getting started what are the steps and what are the processes to getting myself on the golf course um and and so Sergio, i'll I'll try and guide you through this the best i can but the first thing is you need some golf clubs um you've got to get something you've got some really good opportunities box sets from a lot of your big bag uh big chain box stores Something that will get you in driver, woods, irons, putter, bag, everything you need for very affordable rates. And it's again, I always call it a good starting point. It's kind of like your first car, just something you need to learn how to drive. And then the next thing you need to do is go to the driving range and just get a large bucket. Um, and I say a large, probably a medium. No, no more than 80 to 100 golf balls. And you just need to... Hit those shots and take every miss hit and every solid shot and just learn that feedback. Then, after spending a day of doing that, whatever range or golf course you've gone to, walk into the golf shop, walk into the clubhouse and ask for their instructor. Introduce yourself, tell them what you just done, um, that you want to get started, and go through that process. Um, it's a skill that you can play for life. Uh, I have students of mine who are in their 80s and 90s. I have students of mine that are still in their single digits. So it's a game that you can play from now on. And it's just go through the lesson process. And I talk about this so much. It is a process. There's no one tip that's going to fix or cure your golf swing, whether you're a, a slicer of the golf ball or you overdraw the ball or, or whatever you're, you're Miss hits and, and frustrations are in the game but it's it's a process enjoy it we we practice to get better not to get perfect I, I tell this to my students a lot of times that even when we're hitting it good there's something we could be doing better so keep working on your game figure out the process get with your instructor and make those moves and those commitments so Herg- Sergio I hope that helps you Uh, Again, get you set some clubs, get out, start playing, have some fun. With time change coming up here in a couple of weeks, you'll have a lot more time to sneak out in the afternoons uh, and and hit those bucket of balls and and see what you can do with it. So the next one coming in from Instagram, Andrew. Andrew is asking about how to take his game to the next level. Um, So actually, Andrew and I went back and forth on this one a little bit when he came up with this question and I responded. So, Tell me what the next level is. And so Andrew tells me he, he plays at a club here in Middle Tennessee, and he's consistently shooting in, in the mid-80s and just has not been able to break through and, and get down into the 70s. And and so then I went back with, you know, well, how many fairways do you hit and how many greens and all the things that the your teaching professional is going to ask because we can't see your game all the time. Just kind of get an understanding. And when we did a quick analysis of his last three or four rounds, we actually saw that he's hitting enough fairways that he should be shooting in the mid to low 70s. Um, His greens and regulations teeters on that mid 80 range where he's at so we could figure out how to get a few more greens. Um, But his putting was actually the biggest thing uh, that we talked about, Andrew. And he was averaging over two putts a hole or Two putts or holders, slightly more. So, averaging more than 36 putts around. And those numbers are always going to struggle shooting higher scores than you're capable of. Um, best players in the world are going to average around 28 puts and they're hitting 12 plus greens. Uh, average 85 shooters only hitting six or seven greens. And, and so, the key there is short game. So, if you're missing 10, 12 greens around, you should be getting up and down half the time. You know, one chip, one putt. So we've turned five of those bogeys he's making into five pars, which is really going to knock a lot of shots off quickly. Um, But it's just chipping and putting. Now, the things that we can run into this type of year, uh, we talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about the the bunker game and the wedge setup. But it's the dormant grass here in Middle Tennessee. uh, It's really tough to chip off. Of, and we all grab our sand wedge or our lob wedge, whatever we chip with the most, and we want to blast this shot up there because we watch Mickelson and Rory and, and Tiger and all these guys hit the same shot. and They're playing off a much more consistent surface. Um, their golf horses have been prepped for years, getting ready for the event. and So this time of year, I really recommend more of a, a bump and run style shot when you can. So take a 7-iron, take a 9-iron, Um, Andrew and and just kind of hit these little shots that just barely land on the green and roll all the way out to the hole. That way there's less chance of hitting it uh, fat and leaving the ball short or hitting it thin and knocking it too far and over the green and have to chip again. So by, again, just very simple, not saying this is a shot you need all the time, but it's great this time of year, but just play the ball a little further back in your stance, push your hands forward and make a little bit more of a putting stroke um, that'll just get the ball on and, and roll out. So just kind of judge that, play with that shot a little bit. And once spring breaks and we get to see some nicer days and the grass is back, grab your lob wedge and keep hitting those beautiful lob shots. But to work on your scoring this time of year, learn that extra shot, how to hit it a little bit lower and roll it up there like a putt instead of forcing yourself to fly it all the way to the hole. So, Andrew, I hope that helps. Um, but it sounds like really it's your short game, man. Get out there working on chipping and putting instead of going to the driving range and, and hitting your driver because based on the fairways you told me you're hitting, you're you're, you're capable of shooting in the 70s. We've just got to get those shots, those first putts, closer to the hole so we can get a chance to make a few of those. So, again, try that out. Hope that out. and Go see your local club pro. Have him work on your game a little bit and see if that can kind of take you to that next level as you call it break on through so tommy came in with junior golf uh how to get his son out involved playing in some more events um how to get they've played the Sned's tour but they're looking for a little bit more competition and a little bit more of a test of his game and and so i'm gonna talk about there tommy um the hurricane junior golf tour um you can definitely check it out. They've got the College Prep Series coming up uh, actually this weekend, February 29th, March 1st, at Venera Legends Clubs at the South Course. Um, they also have the Nashville Junior Shootout presented by Encore um, at Hermitage in Hick- uh, Old Hickory, Tennessee. So, again, a couple events coming up here in the next weeks here in Tennessee. So definitely jump on their website, um, Hurricane Junior Golf Tour, HJGT. Um, see what's going on. Look at their membership, look at their pairings, and get some players uh, out there and see what's going on. We look at the... So jump on their website, find some tournaments for you, for your son, get out there, start playing, working on the game, and again, the best way to find out how we're going to do in tournaments is to play. I know we all get the jitters and and nerves about that first event uh, of the year, but it's a starting point. It's it's preseason practice. It's... The preseason in football. They're out there. They're working on their game. They're wanting to see how it's going to work uh, throughout the season and areas for improvement. You can take that information and grow on it. Sit down with your coach, figure out how you need to improve and get those areas going. So, Tony, I hope that helps out. Um, good luck with some junior golf this season. So going back to Twitter, Scott was asking about driver fittings and we talked about the hot list several episodes ago. Fitting questions have come up quite a bit and I'm always happy to talk about clubs and how we can improve your game. And what Scott was wanting to know is why do the day's drivers have all the adjustable uh, settings on there? What's the benefit and when are you tinkering with it too much? Well, Scott, so what we've learned over the years is it's kind of like your car seat. There's a bunch of ways to set it, but once you get it set the way you need it, we leave it there. So whether you're dealing with uh, the Callaway product, which has 16 uh, different settings on it, um, as well as Tidalist and and all these other manufacturers have their hosels that do all these different settings, and then you get into slottable weights or repositionable weights and, and weight plugs that you can plug in and out, to, to control that, so what it's all about to do is maximizing that club for you. So, not everybody needs a nine and a half degree driver, not everybody needs a ten and a half degree driver. Um, and so, to help the manufacturers out, they they just make the couple of lofts, and then with the adjustable hosels, they can dial it up or down. But it also helps you with ball flight control and launch condition. So, when we get on the launch monitors, we're looking for solidness of contact, and we're looking at that at ball speed and, and club head speed, and it kind of gives us the, the smash factor, uh, if you will, or the power transfer ratio, depending on whose stat you're looking at it. And, and that's just going to tell how efficient the club is. So uh, deemed to be an average tee shot is about 1.45 transfer, which would mean a club head speed with a driver of 100 should produce a ball speed of about 145. Most of the guys on tour are pushing the envelope about a uh, 1.5, 1.48, somewhere in there. So again, that's deemed to be about perfect. Now the reason this number changes is as the club gains weight and the driver is the lightest club in your bag and your sandwich will be the heaviest club in the bag, but as the club gains weight, then it doesn't have as much energy transfer the shaft becomes shorter. Getting off the driver topic for a little bit, but that's why those numbers will change. So if you could swing your sandwich at 100 miles an hour, it would not produce the same ball speed um, as a driver just because of loft and head weight and things like that. But what we start to get into the drivers. driver, so once we get a good smash factor and a good ball speed um, calculation for you, we're then able to look at a launch window. And and a blanket statement here is most everybody's driver should be launching between 13 and 15 degrees. Um, But that's also dependent or scaled on your spin. So if you're hitting the ball with very super low spin, then you need to launch the ball higher to counterbalance it falling out of the sky. And again, if you're spinning the ball a lot, excess of 4,000 RPMs, then you're gonna need a lower launch condition so that the ball doesn't lose as much energy climbing. And so that's where the settings really start to come in. Now, I did an article years ago for the uh, the golf house, uh, to, to their Tennessee Golf Quarterly that comes out, where I talked about the fitting settings. And I, and I went through and had a student come in, and he had always played a nine-and-a-half degree driver, just what he had been in for 20, 30 years. And it always played a stiff, and so... He knew that much in this particular model, and i dating myself a little bit on this one, but it was the R9, and the R9 had eight different hosel settings at that time. It had a standard loft, it had a standard loft upright, and then it had plus or minus three settings that you could go across the board. And so we came in one day, and we booked the hour and a half SOP process, and he knew this was what he was going to buy, because all his buddies had already switched to it, and he was hitting it good. He just wouldn't know the correct setting. And so we started um, the process with just the stock setting and hitting it. And what I generally do in those is after a good warm up, I'm gonna let you hit about five or six shots and I'm gonna weed it down to the best four. Um, That way I'm looking at a smaller sample, but I'm able to see what solid looks like. And so we went through and we hit five shots with all eight different settings. So again, took over 40 shots. We did that down um, to the best 32, best four of each category, and then we were able to see it. And by getting him in the correct setting, we were able to see a 15-yard carry improvement in the exact same club. So it wasn't like I put a different shaft in it or a different loft. It was the same head adjusted eight different ways when we saw the, the settings that the stock setting was the absolute worst for him. Everything that was addition of loft helped him hit it a little bit higher, but he turned it too much to the left. Everything that was a little bit of a, a subtractional of loft, so actually opening the face up, gave him a straighter ball flight. Um, didn't turn over too much. It came out a little bit lower, but the spin rate was there to keep it in the air longer. And so we actually wound up putting him in like a negative two setting. Uh, so ultimately I had him in a seven and a half degree driver based on how those fittings worked. But that's what really opened our eyes to this. So the manufacturers can make one club, and now with the different shaft options and and the ability to optimize the shaft fitting and settings, you can get more out of it. Um, I know my particular driver now. So when I went through the fitting process on this earlier this year, we put me in a shaft that I didn't expect to swing. It's actually a little stiffer than than I thought I would need. But the ball speed was good. Uh, when we changed the weight of the shaft, we had to change the weight of the head. And so we took the super light weight out uh, and put a, a little bit heavier weight into it. it only at about four grams, but it straightened up my ball flight. Uh, didn't lose any distance. The ball went straighter. And so just by changing a weight for me, it allows me to swing and still have the control. So that's all the settings are there for. And Like, you know, like it's your car seat. Once you set it, leave it alone. Now, the worst thing I think you can do is just go to the range and try and figure it out yourself. Because you're not getting enough data. In most cases you're hitting range balls which don't perform the same as your golf ball. So anytime I'm going through a fitting, I'm isolating a certain type of golf ball. So if you play a performance brand, then that's what I want to put you into. If you play a premium ball or a mid-range ball, then that's what I want to put you into. Now, it may not be the exact ball you play, um, just because I don't carry everything, but at least it's the right type of golf ball. And so when we run those numbers and we use the same ball for everything, we're able to compare apples to apples and show you that this is where you started, this is where we're able to get you to, and you can see the improvement. So Scott, I hope that helps you with the idea of the adjustable hosels. Uh, again, the, the last thing I want you to do is tweaking and, and torquing on those things all the time. You'll wind up stripping the screws out and then you'll have to send it back. But it's get with somebody that's got a launch monitor, come into one of the stores, go to your range at your club and, and hit some shots and see what's going on. I always tell everybody that talks about they need to see the ball flight. I've been to too many tour events on Wednesday, and the tour pro hits the shot, and as the ball's in the air, he turns around to the guy running the track man and says, what'd it do? Ball's still in the air. He can see it, but he's wanting to know launch, spin rates, numbers like that that he just can't visually see. Helps him program what a good shot's supposed to look like, but he not starts to feel. Oh, that was a little spinny. I felt that it did this, and now he can start to dial that in again. That's where the driver can kind of bring those numbers down. So again, Scott, I hope that helps you with that. Um, but get out there, get to the launch monitor, and see how they can get that driver set up better for you. Going to the last time to Instagram for Taylor here, talked about the putting. Uh, I'd gone over putting fitting a couple weeks ago, uh, and he was asking, you know, how can a putter make a difference? And the biggest things that I've seen over the years, Taylor, it's, you know, obviously the the easiest one is length. Do you you need a 35, 34, 33-inch putter? Which one puts your eyes in a better position for you to see your line? Then how much forward hand press do you have in the stroke or at address? So depending on whose study you read, but we're going to see that most people believe a putter should have somewhere between one to four degrees of loft um, at impact. And so they're going to build it with that much it's set up, and that way you can just kind of work on returning that there. But so that plays into the loft side of it, knowing if you need a higher lofted or a less lofted putter. I mean, Kuchar's um, arm lock putter uh, actually has like seven degrees of loft, but it's because of the amount of forward press that he has on there. But finding how to get your ball rolling end over end better so it can hold its line. Um, and then the, the, the last thing we really look at so much is the types of neck? Um, we've got plumbers' necks, which is the 90 degree bend, which is your classic answer style. The heel shafted blades, which is that uh, Odyssey number nine that Mickelson puts with so much on tour. Um, the double bend shafts, which are majority of the spider putters you see, and the two ball putters from all the mallet styles out there. You have a little bit of a slant neck, which you'll see in some of the spiders as well, um, and the two balls were just instead of it. Coming down as a bend in the shaft, just a, a slight bend in the hosel. And then you've got the center shafted, um, like our friends over at Seymour, um, you, the rifle scope technology we talked about the golf show. But finding out which one of those fits your eye for roll, being able to send it down the line. Now, as that head moves back and forward compared to the hands with the offset, it's going to affect the way you see it. Now, the best players in the world can adapt and they're going to learn how to, a friend of mine makes a joke, they can learn to putt with a broom if they needed to, so they can make those adjustments. But when we're not getting to play as much and work on our game as much, we want to keep it simple. And and so by finding a putter that kind of blends ourselves into it, so I was working with one of our other instructors today on his putting, and we actually just put a laser uh, sight line over the, the club, and we can see as the putter rotated back, as it rotated through, but the biggest thing was his putter um, and address. dress. The style of putter that he was using, he tends to line it up out to the right. And so we put him in a, a putter that had a little bit more offset, put the laser on there, and all of a sudden he started rolling it down his intended line a little bit. So just by looking at a different putter, a different style of neck, it can help you with your alignment and your aim. And when those two are working, now your confidence gets back up there. Um, so looking at it, Taylor, as far as... How a putter fitting works, it's just finding the length, the lie, the the loft, and, and the type of putter head that fits your eye and your stroke that's going to make you more repetitive. Um, there's lots of putting studios around, Sam Putt Labs in multiple places. Again, it's the most detailed putting system out there. Um, Biomech, have Blast Motion, all really good sensors that you can put on the putters and measure with as well. Uh, the Tommy system even out there. So if you want to get deep into the putter fitting side, you can definitely jump in. a lot of sites, find out who your local fitters are, get in, and go from there. So Taylor, get fit for that putter. Just because Jason Day puts with it doesn't mean you need to. So find something that works better for you and spend the time with it. So we're going to kind of wind up the week getting ready for the Honda Classic. We're down in Florida now, so the swing has begun. Um, again, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminaire, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com or, on, or at Believe Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at pbrandon21 or on Twitter at QIC underscore golf pro. Weather's getting closer. Time changes a couple of weeks away, so everybody get out, hit some balls this week, start working on your game, and keep firing those questions out on Twitter and Instagram, and I'll keep giving you some answers. Thanks so much. Have fun.